Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Zero. My name is Shane Petkowitz. Thanks for joining today. Very exciting. Uh, today, we have Mr. Timothy Kayundo, uh, who will be joining us from Uganda. And uh, we talk uh, at length about the work that he's doing in Uganda, taking uh, agricultural wastes and converting it into a material uh, that can be used for water purification, in particular, uh, activated carbon. So we talk about the benefits, uh, the multiple benefits that they offer, both on the waste reduction side, but then also on the uh, water and wastewater treatment aspect. So uh, Timothy Kayondo, he is the co-founder of a company named Aqua Methods Uganda. He holds a bachelor's degree in science and industrial chemistry from Makerere University, uh, where he uh, founded the company that uh, involved a project design engineer and was responsible for the design, innovation, and implementation of these eco-mobile water purifiers, purifiers excuse me, to the identified target communities. He's been working in industrial wastewater along with uh, developing portable units for refugee camps, hospitals, and schools. So it was fun to learn about the great work that he's doing, and I hope you enjoy the episode. We collect wastes from cassava peelings. It's one of the staple foods in Uganda is cassava. And uh, the, the wastes we generate, we peel off only, we peel off the cover and we eat the inner part. So what we peel off is taken as waste. Yes, there have been some modification of what we call waste to maybe animal feeds. But being a most common food, the waste keep piling. So we, we did a study. Our background is industrial chemistry, most two of us. And we did a study on how effective we can use these cassava peelings and produce activated carbon. So the activated carbon is used mainly to purify water, to remove the color, the odor, and all other things. So the other waste also we use is the the cattle bones. In Uganda, we are also blessed that we are farmers and agriculture is really more or less the backbone and the main, the main activity that Ugandans are involved in is agriculture. So also these wastes from cattle bones after slaughtering the animal, of course, people are interested in the fresh or beef or mainly beef. Then uh, the bones have been, uh, they are, yes, there has been a little bit of modification. You find uh, some are being used as animal feeds, maybe piggery, maybe fishing. And, uh, but being uh, most a common animal reared, you find still the bones keep piling, especially in uh, city abattoirs. This is a place where they do animal slaughtering. So you find to take them up to consume all that generation of cattle bones, it has been an issue. So what we also did was to incorporate the cattle bones into our study, and we came up to we came up with the with evidence based that this is can as well produce activated carbon and be used to purify water. Of course, many studies have been there on activated carbon, even from the materials, especially cattle bones. So we are complementing on what has been studied all over the world to make sure at least we, 
we also add value to what they call wastes and we turn them into uh, into a meaningful substance and that is activated carbon. So we have done this study and subjected our activated carbon to water. Uh, that is rainwater, because there's too much pollution, even in Uganda, due to human activities, due to all those deforestations and all other things that has industry, industries and all those, the cities that are coming up. So you find there's too much pollution and the, obviously water, even if it rains, all those carbon emissions are all involved in the water. So you find you will not take the water, the rainwater to be safe. So we subject our water, our active carbonate was produced to the rainwater, groundwater, still the same challenge of um, contamination, land contamination has been all over due to human activities. The, also we subject the groundwater to such active such active carbon and we found that actually it can as well absorb or absorb all those impurities in the water. Yeah, that, that's it's it, it's really exciting. It's great work. When you when you did the first study, did you already think that you wanted to was the goal to make activated carbon for water purification? Was that what you were thinking? Well, my background is industrial chemistry. So at the, towards the end of my my university level, we usually come up with a proposal. So my, my focus was on water, water quality. So I did a study on um, possible recontamination of already purified water or already treated water by our national bodies. So we found that this water can as well have, has a lot of possibilities of recontamination. So we went ahead also, did a study on rainwater, groundwater, shallow well water, so basically to answer your question that it has been, it was yes, say yes, that we, we did best, we went into this study to make sure at least we add value on the quality of the water. And we found out that actually, as we are adding value on the quality of the water, we are also reducing on the wastes that are being generated. That's a fantastic. And what, you were, were you studying this? You said you were doing this study in the university as an industrial chemist, correct? Yeah, I did my industrial chemistry from Macquarie University. And uh, the study still was uh, at Macquarie University. And it's the one that enabled me actually to graduate. But we, after knowing that actually we can do more, even after graduation, Together with my colleague, we went ahead to make sure at least we com commercialize our proposed our study or put it to a large scale. That's why we are able to do all these other installations and all these other interventions in different parts of the country. So after our university study, we went ahead to do to do a further study, further interventions in these wastes that are being generated. And Obviously, the uh, it's very impressive the the jump from going from university to a commercial entrepreneurial venture. 
Can you just speak about that process and what was different, what was challenging, what was unexpected about starting a company, a water purification company? Yeah, basically, thank you very much. Basically, it is not that easy because the uh, research and coming up with a new product on the market, the rate of acceptance is not that all easy because people don't, will not really look at it clearly. So what we did was to, uh, after, this, after this, all these other studies, we went ahead to present it. We have presented to many parts, different forums in the country here, from parliament to the president, to, to at least have authentic, to show that actually our study has value. But still the rate has been slow. Mm, so when we won, when we go to our first grant in 2017, we did a sample. We did our, we designed our system, our water system, and we, we donated it to one of the refugee camps. Of course, it had to go through all the parameter checked by national bodies to make sure the water is up to the quality before the consumption. So that, that was the first breakthrough now when we had testimonies, success stories. So people whom we used to pitch to or to present to started coming back to us and say, okay, I think we can now talk. I think your project now, I think, has value. So to penetrate the local market has not been easy. And also what motivated us to, to make it, to come up with the company was the opportunities that to, could come along the way. You find the, maybe you want some, maybe a government wants to give you an opportunity or an NGO. Actually, we have dealt with NGOs and the different individuals, but they don't want to, to deal with individuals. They would like to deal with a registered company, some, something that is fully recognized. So what, that's what made us, made us say, okay, we can, we can formalize this, make a company and start selling all these products that we have developed. Yes, so the success has been there, but the challenges have been there since 2016. I think the, the, the right breakthrough might say 20, maybe 2019. That's was the, the, that's the breakthrough. You can say, okay, this is this when the, the market now, the, the country accepts that actually our product is fully, fully can, can add value on the water quality. Yeah, that's a, a, a big milestone, I can imagine, to actually have the quality and the value verified by a government or some entity. So for for the first two years, where you were it sounds like you were speaking a lot with people from parliament, local governments, charities. It sounds like you were speaking to lots of different people in, in this space, right? That's true. We spoke a lot. We presented our project to very many different different platforms. And um, I remember the last person I talked to was the president, because they called us at, at Kololo 
that Kaworo Independence Ground, where we got our independence from. Then the, we had to present our project to them. And that's when now all other opportunities started coming in. So it has been, it has not been so much easy to really penetrate the local market. Uh, and I think innovations and the, yeah, innovation that generally is not, has not been so much embraced there. You find the rate of taking up the a new product has not been, it is not always easy. So we have just persisted, tried to maintain the quality, maintain the standards, do more research, and, I, and here we are now. That's great. And so, I mean, that's the fact that you spoke to the president is very cool. <laughs> I, I, I haven't yet speak, spoken to a president, so that, that's, that's very, very cool. Um, and, and so who, who, in terms of sourcing the agricultural waste, how do you, do you work with farmers directly? How do you get the cassava waste? Okay, so what we do, we, we, have, we, we have formed the different farm groups, farmer groups, especially women, because you find the women in the villages are mainly the ones involved in agriculture. So we, we, we have formed the groups, women groups that are involved in that kind of farming, cassava plantation. So after say, after, after collecting their cassava, they do the peeling, then they reserve the fridge, then what they, they would have taken as waste, they put it aside, then we come and collect. So in, a, in six months, we can collect three times. We can collect three times in different areas of the country. They come and dry them, and then we go ahead and grind and make our activated carbon. So we do, we inform the women groups are the ones that really collect all that cassava peelings. The same applies to animal bonds or cattle bonds. We also form the uh, groups of farmers that are involved in cattle bond, in cattle rearing, and also butchermen, these people who slaughter animals. So we, form, we formed also groups in state abattoirs, and especially in these festive seasons, maybe for, for religious people, Christmas, Easter, maybe on Eid for Muslims, maybe all, all those big, big functions, big days, celebrations. So we, we make sure at least we go into those groups to collect all those bonds. Then we have also tried to penetrate the restaurants because different restaurants are also involved in so much into um, cooking meat or yeah, beef. So we, we make sure at least we collect all those bones, which are, would be the dumped or disposed of either properly or not properly. So we collect them and do our process of producing the product we want. And are, are restaurants or abattoirs or farmers, are they, are they okay with uh, sending you their bones or their cassava waste? Okay. At first, it was very okay. It was because they wanted to get rid of them. <laughs> that was at first. They wanted to get rid of them so they could totally give you 
actually they would even I wouldn't want to say beg you, but they would come to you and say, please, these wasters accumulated here. Could you take or could you find a way of maybe be with them, even if your product is not yet out of the market, but could you be with so they could want to you to get to help them to get rid of them. But when they went ahead also to keep telling them that this is actually not a waste, it can as well be modified and add value to what you are doing. So they came now to understand actually that these, these peelings or bones are not some are not wastes as per se. So now we do pay. We do pay. We, we engage them, say, okay, collect this kind of how many kilos kilograms and then we pay so we pay for them then it also enables them or motivates them to continue collecting them and also sustain their families and also fall in love with what they do the farming so apart from selling the fresh they go ahead and sell to us the waste so we are also now doing two way a win-win so before it was more free but the continuous sensitization and the awareness that we have created, it is now changing the, their minds that, okay, this waste, this is what we called waste, but now can be used. So currently we do pay. There's some value for what they collect now. Yeah, and that does sound like a win-win where now they, they're making another revenue stream for the material that they're making, right? Um, so do you, do you make different activated carbons? Do you make different activated carbons or is it one type and you just mix all the materials together? Um, basically we do different types and based, based on the water, the kind of water we are going to treat. Uh, some are granules, too much smaller pores or more powdered one. Some is crystalline. So you find different, really, we do produce different types of carbon based on the water that you're going to work on. We are currently looking at the wastewater now. So the carbon that we are producing now is to make sure that we subject it to the wastewater from industries, uh, from all these other mushrooming industries. Before you dispose it to the environment, can you subject it to, to this activated carbon that we are producing so that it becomes harmless? all is harmful to the environment. So we are now producing different types of activated carbon based on, on the need or based on the, yeah, basically based on the need that we'll be working on, yeah. And what, uh, so can you just talk a little bit about the markets that you're trying to enter into and, and where you're serving these products? Because I know you mentioned you initially worked many years ago with uh, refugee camps uh, and maybe some schools, but it sounds like now you're focusing on more industrial wastewater. So what, 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 where are you trying to focus? Our, our, first, our first market that became a little bit easy to penetrate, we are the institutions, the schools, um, health centers or hospitals, the refugee camps, so basically it was human consumption. So that, that was our first niche, that was our first target. And uh, now that we have it, we have that market and it's still growing, 
during lockdown, the biggest market, which is, which is the school, the, the institutions, all the schools, the universities, all these other tertiary schools, tertiary institutions, were closed. So we could not now, we could not close also. What we had to do was to get, just now to dig deeper and say, okay, there's this wastewater, which we had thought about some time back. Can't we now subject our three carbon to this wastewater? Because now industries continued operating. We said, okay, we started subjecting our water to that, to that kind of, to that kind of um, the industries now. So that's how you are seeing us now, not moving, but enlarging now our market base from the, the, the institutions or the health centers, the individuals, the refugee camps to industries. Because now industries are also coming up, our, um, the policies are now saying that every, almost every region should have an industrial park. So you find that all those wastes are going to be generated because you have to wash the machines to clean up the water quality, the quality in the industries. You have to clean the industry, all the water that is produced after the product they would be producing, maybe pharmaceuticals, maybe breweries, all those ones. So you find you are creating, there's a market there. So we decided, so okay, we can as well look at this market so the lockdown that started in 2020, March, accelerated us now to dig deeper and find another market away from the market that we had and to, at that time it was locked down. Or they were closed, the schools were totally closed and we never had sales, yeah. So, yeah, so you had to pivot, right? It, it, the, the lockdown forced you to, to completely change your business model, <laughs> which is not easy to do. Um, so do you offer only activated carbon solutions? Because, uh, or do you, do you provide, I know you, you worked with UV uh, and other treatment processes as well. So do you create a whole solution or do you just make the carbon? For the drinking part of it, we incorporated the the UV lamp, the ultraviolet light. Of course, the activated carbon, our study showed that it, were, it could not remove the other microorganisms. Some of the microorganisms like E. coli, salmonella, the fecal coliforms. So all those small, small microorganisms that cause these waterborne diseases could not be removed fully by activated carbon. So what we had to do was to incorporate the already existing, the already existing ultraviolet light, this about all over. So you just we just incorporated it to to complement on on our product. So basically, that that that's that's how it is. Maybe the study we are doing now is to share with you the study we are doing is to now to to have it ultra the pores to be more smaller because right now it is on micro. So we want to make it ultra, very small so that you, the, even the microorganisms at least can, can face a little bit hard to go through. So currently that's what we do. We incorporate the ultraviolet light to eliminate the microorganisms that would have escaped through the activated carbon that we have developed. 
I'm curious, what um, do people, uh, do they talk about zero waste? Is that much of the conversation in your work or, or with the, polit- uh, the local leaders? Is that a conversation that people have? Uh, at the start, the conversation was not so much clear because uh, there's always space. Uh, people thought uh, we can have, can always have a space where to dump these wastes. Eh? But now that the population is increasing, too much developments that are coming up, and the waste now that what we used to be generated is coming back to haunt us. So people are now waking up to appreciate the need for zero waste. So with these products that are coming up, very addition to the waste and all this, so it is really opening up people's eyes, the local leaders, the different stakeholders to appreciate that there's a need to, to to have this main type of zero waste. But this is at the, at, at the beginning was really, really, people are not really appreciating the need to have zero waste around here. Okay, so you're saying that there's people are running, running out of space of where to put all this stuff that we throw away. And so that's forcing the conversation. Yes, sure. Because when you see like uh, different water bodies, too much contaminations. All these other littering around. You find the well. You have thrown the. Maybe you have eaten something, or you have all you have generated all these wastes and whatever. You, you leave them improperly attended to. In the wrong run, it will come back to you. So with these outbreaks, these all these other developments that are coming up, people are waking up with all people's research, the product we have, the project we are doing. So it is creating awareness that actually we need to think of zero waste. So the developments, the projects we do, the the innovations we do, and the long run consequences of improper handling of waste is really forcing people now to think of zero waste. That's fantastic. And so do you see that happening? Are businesses leading that? Is it local leaders? Is it community groups? Or is it the president? You know, what, where is it, or is it happening everywhere? Uh, basically, this on individual level does not really enter there to in the local in the population to really appreciate and say, no, we have this proper handling has not really penetrated well. But the top leaders, like the president, uh, different parastatals, like in Kampala, there's, there's what you call Kampala Capital City Authority. You find in different cities, there are always those the parastatals that are put up by the, the central government to make sure at least they handle waste gen, the sold waste, gen, uh, sold waste management have proper way of dumping sites, have proper way of maybe recycling, sort them by, by, by degradable and non-biodegradable. So these other different parastatals that are set up by, by the central government are more or less the ones spearheading 
but individual the population itself they they mentality of zero waste and the mindset of zero waste has not fully really really entered well so there's a need to do more sensitization more awareness and have this mindset to zero waste of to begin with individuals because the government or the parastators may not really handle fully if the individuals or the people themselves are not fully involved. So basically it is still up uh, at the local level or population level it has not fully penetrated the, 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 their minds yeah. Right, and it's going to take a lot of effort, but it's great that there's the leadership that's leading, uh, that's that's uh, talking about this. Um, focusing back on uh, Aqua Methods, what are what are your company your goals, and what are your company's goals over the next five years? What would you like to see happen? Well, in our next five years, we we want to to add more value to our to what we call wastes and to come up with more products from such a, such, a, such, a, such, a, such a low materials that we are using. We also want to expand more from regional, regional offices or one office to regional because we have four regions. So we want to expand more to different regions to, to spearhead or to have this campaign of, Adding value to our adding value to what we generate for especially on agricultural wastes. Then we also want to penetrate the East African market or globally because recently we just won a, uh, a grant from Royal Academy of Engineering in the UK. So we we think and we believe now that our product is penetrating the regional East Africa and Africa. And globally. So in the next five years time, we want to see ourselves really adding more value to our agricultural wastes and also extending clean water or complementing on water quality and reducing waterborne diseases in East Africa. Yeah, and, and is the focus, do you think you'll, as you expand to, let's say, let's just focus on East Africa, do you think you'll source different agricultural wastes or you will keep sourcing waste that in your current regions and then exporting the carbon kenya you find there are a lot of coconut coconuts so and we can always produce activated carbon from coconut shells the shells that are taken as wastes so we see ourselves still digestifying that however much we are using cassava peelings in uganda we can use made coconut shells from Kenya. We can use bones from Tanzania. In Rwanda still, people are cattle keepers. People find that really love animals. So you find we can still outsource or get the bones from Rwanda and, you know. So the East Africa is still, it is interconnected. Even when you go to South Sudan, that they newly added the country to East Africa. So you find this still, they do farming or animal rearing and a lot of it. So you find that still the waste are generated from there. So in, in the region, 
our waste, our waste needs still to be interconnected, and we find we shall still continue and be in the line of what we're doing. Yeah, so it sounds like there are waste waste streams, uh, different local waste streams that can all be used to with your process to make activated carbon, which is great. Do you think you'll still focus on industrial wastewater, or do you think you'll go back to uh, serving uh, more uh, like schools or health centers or both? We are going to do both because even industrial waste, it is now, you're not only now making water harmless, but you're also tackling the issue of um, the environmental change, the climate change, because once this water, all the wastewater is generated and just disposed of back to the to the environment or to the mainstream, maybe the water bodies. Aquatic life is affected, the too much land pollution, maybe too much uh, water pollution, all those ones. So we found ourselves that actually there's a bigger need to, to do our intervention in the industries. However much you're going to continue with the water quality in the institutions and whatever, but there's a need to focus more on industries because they are really generating waste, producing products, but still generating waste in form of water, wastewater. So you find you are still, you need to focus on that and reduce. Otherwise it will be, you are coming off the products, but you are affecting more and more, more challenges in the in in environment. Yeah. and, and uh... I, I, we hadn't even discussed the, the environmental and climate impact of this of this solution. When you work with these companies, are they do they um, are they being are they trying to treat their water because they want to? Are they being forced to do it? Uh, are they excited to use their product? What what's the relationship you have with them? Okay, at the start, it has not been so. It has not been so much. Uh, is it penetrate because some could think maybe you want to report or you're a, maybe you're a government spy or something. So there is the, because the, we have NEMA as a national, NEMA as national environmental management authority. So they, they have to emphasize on, on waste generated in the industries to be properly disposed. So the government is is directing the industries to at least manage the wastes very well. So there's some kind of driving force to do. So I wouldn't know if at all, if there was no driving force or all they would do. So basically from the study we have been doing, because of the driving force from the central government that has put in place, there's at least some, some, some proper disposal of waste trying to to try, okay, they do try really to, to properly dispose of this uh, generated water. Right, and, and you also need the driving force from, from NEMA to, to help push the companies, right? So for anyone who's listening, um, if someone they're interested in learning more about zero waste or how they can reduce waste, what would, you, what would be your recommendation to them? Uh, what would be your suggestion? 
Well, we, I would say, you first learn the, what, waste, what waste is being generated, because different countries did emit different wastes. And what's the impact of the waste being generated? Then you do, you try to do a study on what can you do at least to add value on what they, on what they call waste. So that's how we started. We just looked at the value, the waste can generated, what's the impact. Then you go ahead and at least add value on, um, on the waste. In that long run, you are doing a zero. You are reducing on waste being generated in the country where you are coming from. So we, 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 still, we do still study more, do more research on the waste being generated because now this due to climate change and all these other dynamics in the world, you find today you are focusing on the waste that had maybe carbon emissions. Tomorrow you focus on another one that has less carbon emissions. So it's really dynamic. So you keep on research and researching and learning more on the waste that are being generated and the impact that it, those wastes are having to the environment or to the surrounding. And how do you, how do you measure that impact? Well, there's literature. We, 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 we have literature. We, people have documented on, on different forums how wastes are really, really uh, affecting the communities or affecting the environment. So in that, in that literature you are learning or you are reading, you obviously get a narrative, say, okay, from this year to this year, this kind of waste were generated and this is the impact that we really, what many much maybe uh, diseases or outbreak of maybe waterborne diseases or typhoid or all those diseases that are related to the wastes or improper handling of wastes, all this all this global change, global warming and whatever. So you 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 really pay much attention to the literature. It will guide you to know now at least in the next two three years if there's nothing has done here, you have this kind of a challenge. So basically that's what we have been looking at and has guided us on how best we can intervene and add value to what, it, what is being generated. Yeah, and it's a, it's a big challenge and uh, appreciate your focus on it because there are uh, big problems with, but also uh, great solutions. So uh, Timothy, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And it's really exciting to hear about what's happening at uh, Aqua Methods and uh, really excited to see what that you can uh, expand across uh, regionally and globally over the next five years. Okay, thank you so much. I'm happy to also to hear from you and thank you for giving me this opportunity to share our project. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I definitely learned a lot from speaking with Timothy and I, I think, I imagine you did as well. 
Um, so just uh, we'll, we'll kick off from last week. Our assignment was to create a list and really identify some of the wastes that we we're producing. Uh, I won't share the entire list, but I did go through some of the materials that we'd had in our trash and recycling. And what I was finding is that a lot of the stuff that uh, a lot of the plastic wastes in my trash bin come from uh, essentially uh, the, uh, things that involve food uh, processing or packaging, whether it's from going to get groceries, all the single use plastics or the plastic wrapping for all the foods and containers to uh, all of the plastic bags and containers for going out to restaurants and all the single use plastics. I think that was the biggest material that I found uh, in my waste stream. So I think that's what I'm gonna be, I've started working on and reducing for me is one, when I'm going to the grocery stores is to, is to uh, reduce uh, or try to choose uh, items that have less plastic in them uh, when you purchase them, if it's vegetables or fruits, uh, if they're not wrapped in anything, that would be preferred. And then I'm also on the hunt to get a portable uh, metal, uh, spoon or fork to be able to take with me and when it's handy whenever I'm going out to a restaurant. So those are the two items uh, on my that I learned over the past week. We are to hear what you learned. And um, and for next week, what we were hoping to do is, or what I was hoping to do was um, based on what Timothy said is really try to identify the value uh, of the materials of the waste you're throwing away. So based on the same list that you've had, uh, uh, that you generated the last week, I think it'd be interesting to see what is the actual value, economic value or the dollar value of some of the materials that, it, that we're disposing of, whether it's plastic cans or, sorry, excuse me, metal cans, uh, pieces of paper, all these things that could be sold as commodities. What is actually the value of that? So that's going to be, I think, a task for next week. And it would be interesting to see uh, how much money we're just throwing away into the trash. So uh, thanks for joining today and we'll uh, see you next week.